from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. That's right. It's Fresh Fridays on the G and Ursula Show. Everybody is here today. Good morning, Ursula. How you feeling, girl? I'm feeling especially fresh today <laughs> on this okay. Fresh Fridays. Okay, okay. All right. You had a, you had a good yesterday. Oh, real quick, that bread you look, I saw you put in that toaster. Yeah. It looked. I know. Because you're, you're, you're avoiding bread right I'm now, I'm avoiding right? bread. But did you notice when you came back there with the bread, you notice I started saying, oh, so um, what's that bread <laughs> you know. have there? I haven't seen that in a long time. It looked good. I had it for the first time last night at my friend Tracy's house. Yeah. And it's croissant toast. Oh! <laughs> it was so good. Oh. I had to have it again this morning. Oh. Yeah, it was really good. I, I hate you to say it. I'm not even a, regular. Uh, I had a little bit of a spread, kind of oh, a savory spread nice. on it. Yeah, nice. It was really good. Nice. What's going on on the show today, by the way? Well, coming up in the 947 segment, we're going to talk about how housing now is unaffordable for a record half of all U.S. renters. If you fall into this category, if you are one who is struggling to make ends meet, we want to hear from you because we want to tell some real stories. 888-973-5476-888-973. Cairo is our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. It is a fresh Friday, so we are going to have fun, too. Are we any closer to getting a head coach for the Seattle Seahawks? Uh, we'll- yeah, yes, we are. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we're close. So- okay, well, we're ready. All right, let's get to it. Top stories of the day brought to you by Wayscar 40, Susu and Auburn. And we're going to start off with the latest major developments this morning and what has been our dominant top story most of this week, the whole Boeing fiasco. Alaska Airlines is now demanding that Boeing reimburse the company for its $150 million in losses from the grounding of its 737 MAX 9 fleet. During their fourth quarter earnings call, Alaska's CEO, Ben Minicucci, said the mid-flight blowout of that door-sized panel was unacceptable. And he says Boeing needs needs to be held accountable. He also apologized to Alaska's customers. On board flight 1282 for what they experienced on January 5th. And to all of those who have seen their travel plans disrupted by cancellation. Again, he was apologizing there. The FAA grounded all 171 MAX 9s in the U.S. But as CBS's Chris Van Cleve reports, some of them are expected to be back in the air today with passengers. Alaska plans to operate three MAX 9 flights today. Return to service is going to be a gradual process because each one of the airplanes has to be manually inspected to make sure those door panels are installed properly and the plane is safe to fly. Once that happens, the plane is available for passenger service. And Alaska's hoping that'll happen, that they'll have all 65 of their MAX 9s flying again by the end of next week. We have been talking about Boeing nonstop, leading off the show with it, and I have not seen one person text in and said that we are anti-Boeing. I hope that we continue to uh, understand that it is okay to talk about specific issues and problems without being anti-something. As far as this topic is concerned, uh, yes, Ursula, it's very simple. The $150 million, I do think Alaska Airlines should be owed that. That doesn't count the 23 max planes that will be delayed now this year. Uh, They have to pay out for these are for tickets, for delays, for accommodations. This is a real problem for Alaska Airlines. And I don't think anybody listening to what you just had to say, I don't think anybody will disagree with that. I mean, they were part of a Saturday Night Live skit. 
Alaska's once sterling reputation has absolutely taken a hit. And, mm-hmm. and in this case, it's no fault of theirs. And beyond the terrified people on that flight earlier this month, I mean, think of the thousands and th- you know of travelers who've been impacted because of all the cancellations and delays. And in fact, I was just telling you, I booked a flight for a very, very, very short trip uh, that I'm going to be taking next month, mm-hmm. a weekend trip, for the first time ever. That I, I, I can't remember ever doing this. I purposely avoided taking an Alaska flight instead of it being my first choice airline, which is because usually it's the best, in my opinion. Um, but I don't want to deal with a potential cancellation. So I actually said, I'm not. I, and by the way, it, it wasn't that easy finding a flight. Right. Hey, can I ask you this, Ursula? Is, is this what, are, what? what is the plan now? Is meaning is the plan for. Boeing to get its act together because we because we feel like nobody else is close to Boeing. Are we at a time that Boeing has gotten? They're so far ahead of the competition. They're not. That okay. So they're not. So if they're not, so Airbus is 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 coming behind them. The last couple of years, Airbus has been selling more than Boeing. This is this is this is a company that used to. Uh, take great pride in its workmanship. And I know with anyone who's listening right now who works on the line, and we get people who who uh, text us and, and, and send us emails, and they say it is absolutely hurting their morale. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're frustrated too. And I know that they did the safety stand down, one of many that they're going to be doing. And, and a, a few people yeah. reached out. They couldn't give details, yeah. but they said, you know, they're really talking about going back to the basics, which is exactly yeah. what they need to do. And one of the things that, that keeps getting brought up is that a lot of the leadership is really, you know, like accountants and people who were really thinking of that bottom line and the shareholders and making the shareholders happy right. uh, instead of. Uh, uh, really prioritizing safety. And once you lose that reputation, it is very hard to come back from. And and you say, well, you know, do they need to care? Yeah, they need to care because there's a, there's a Airbus. I know. I didn't say they need, need, need to no, care. No, but do they have competition? You're um, right. Do they have competition? Oh, yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, right now, okay. Airbus so, is dominating. So if they ha- if they really do have the competition that you say and people think that they have, I'm, I know I'm not doubting you. Then over the next year, next year or two, we should really see that gap widen because this is so dysfunctional here. And one last point I want to make on this, because I know a lot of the things are being thrown at Boeing. Don't keep don't get it twisted. Alaska, you on a hook for some of this stuff, too. Right. Like it shouldn't have taken all these problems for you to know and come out and, and, and say that there's a problem. So no doubt about it. Yes. Boeing. Yes. No doubt. But Alaska Airlines, you're not off the hook. Yeah, Alaska- It's not one of those things like, oh, I can't believe they did this to us. Uh, you have a responsibility to the people that fly. As a matter of fact, when I go, I told you this earlier, when I go to book a ticket, I don't book a ticket and say, I need to get on Boeing. I book a ticket that says I need to get on Alaska. And so Alaska, and, you got a huge yeah, responsibility. Well, and that's what they're saying. It's like 
Um, this is not something that we anticipated. This is not something that we could have anticipated. And then they find out there are uh, other loose bolts. United Airlines, same thing. Okay, so even before this near a disaster on that Alaska flight, though, check this out. Mm-hmm. Boeing had petitioned for a safety exemption that it needs to certify its next model of the same jet family. So mm-hmm. we're talking about the 737 MAX 7 now. This story comes from Seattle Times reporter Dominic Gates, who does a terrific job. Last month, Boeing had asked the FAA to exempt the MAX 7's engine anti-ice system from certain safety standards that it fails to meet. Okay, listen to this. The FAA admits that the system has a potentially catastrophic flaw, but Boeing calls it extremely improbable. And the company has also been arguing that, hey, a a warning to pilots to turn off the system in certain circumstances would be enough to make it safe. Mm -hmm. So now with... Boeing safety protocols under scrutiny. Senators Maria Cantwell of Washington, of course, and Tammy Duckworth of Illinois are urging the FAA not to give Boeing that exemption. The Allied Pilots Association, even before all of this, uh, expressed their concerns about this potential flaw. Now, without that exemption, the MAX 7, again, that's the smallest version, but that's the, the, the next one that was supposed to come out. Yes. Can It cannot be certified to fly passengers without that exemption. Southwest is the largest Max 7 customer with more than 300 orders, and that airline has now just said they're going to take the Max 7 out of their plans for this year. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. I'm just asking, given the track record so far, Mm -hmm. if the FAA says there is a potential for a catastrophic flaw, do you think that exemption should be made? No, but... That exemption was asked for in December. Yes. And if January 5th does not happen, I'm going to throw this back on you. Do you think they would have gotten that exemption in your heart of hearts? Yes, because they've already gotten it for the the planes, the MAX planes that are flying. Mm -hmm. So I'm just asking, instead of asking for an exemption... So this this is where the culture, we talk about what needs to change. The culture needs to change. The cozy relationships with FAA need to change. Like, instead of asking for the exemption, Boeing needs to fix that problem. I mean, the, the pilot, the pilots, the union for the pilots are like, you want us? If we don't get an alert, you want our pilots to just remember, oh, this thing that could potentially be t- catastrophic. Yeah. We don't. But if we have a problem, we're supposed to turn it off to to to. to and I, I, I don't want to. I'm not an engineer, so it, it's a little more complex than I can get into. But it sounds like the pilots are worried about it. Um, Boeing needs to fix that problem, even if it means more delays to this latest plane. And well, again, it's like, don't worry about trying to uh, to get those planes uh, out the door and and into the air if you've got something that could potentially be catastrophic. Everything that you're saying and we are saying about this topic is evergreen and can be applied to most topics that we talk about in our country. We just pick and choose when it's a big deal. This topic right here, as far as, a, as far as as far as as far as the leadership, as far as uh, people being in cahoots, as far as people turning uh, away because it protects those. All of these things that we're talking about comes down to the culture, like you're saying. Well, but it's insane that you would even consider it, especially given Boeing's recent track record. You were talking about two Max Eight crashes that killed hundreds of people just five years ago. Would and we I- accept this standard for cars? I mean, think about it. Like, we recall cars all the time. Like, oh, there's a problem with the door latch, so we're we're calling 200,000 vehicles. Now, imagine if you turned on your defroster for five minutes, and it could make the wheel fall off on your car while you're on the... Why do we have a lower standard 
for planes <laughs> than we do for cars. Evergreen. The great that again is the question. And then and, and then when we're talking about you know inspections done by people who are really uh, you know in favor of Boeing and this and that. I mean when we talk about cozy relationships, et cetera, et cetera. It's like everything needs to be looked at from the bottom up. And speaking of up, uh, again, I don't know the, how this current leadership uh, survives this. Okay, in, in talking about big companies, thousands of workers in Western Washington are ending this week with pink slips, unfortunately. Microsoft just announcing that uh, it's going to be laying off 1,900 employees from Activision, Blizzard, and Xbox. Uh, that's about 8% of the company's gaming division. REI just announced that they're going to be letting go... Uh, of nearly 360 employees this month, 200 of those layoffs are at the company's headquarters. So, I mean, we had a tough 2023, and it sounds like 2024 is off to a rough start as well. Ursula, I remember um, there used to be times when I was struggling financially, right? And then I would hear people say, huh, economy's doing good. And I used to think like, what are you guys talking about? And then you look at the news, and the first thing they talk about is, hey, look at the stocks. Everything's up right now. Now, And what, all the tech companies hiring. I want to. I just want to say something. Let's go Microsoft. Right now, I, I look at the portfolio right now for Microsoft. In the, the last year, the Microsoft stock is up 66%. So I would assume that if you have micro shares of Microsoft, you're like, okay. But then we hear about stories like this. Microsoft last year, this time, guess what? They laid off 10,000 last year. 10,000 employees got uh, laid off. And then here, more layoffs right now. My point is this we can't pick and choose when the economy is doing great for the people at the top. We always got to remember because at 945, we're going to be talking about how half of America can't even afford rent. I just wanted to bring that topic up, and my heart goes out to the people that so many, have lost their jobs. Uh-huh. And this comes at the same time that uh, Microsoft just made history after hitting $3 trillion in market valuation. Yeah, so that comes as a little consolation to people who just got pink slips this week. Okay. We mentioned Seahawks. Yes. This morning, there are only two NFL head coach openings still available, one of them belonging to the Seahawks. So right. what's the latest? Well, the latest is all the experts have it down to three uh, candidates that are left. Dan Quinn, who used to be here before as defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator for the Ravens, and offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Those three. Ben Johnson, Ursula, he's he playing, he's coaching for Detroit, so he plays this weekend. Can't offer him a job because he's still going. Mike McDonald, he's with the Ravens. They play this weekend. So it was right sitting back like, mm, can't really offer them a job right now because they're still in the playoffs. But then there is then there is Dan Quinn, who is he's not in the playoffs. So you would think, well, go ahead, bring in hire Dan Quinn. Right. So who knows? Those are the three. Who is my pick? Who do I think the Seahawks are going to hire? Yeah, I'm going to give you a dark horse that nobody's been thinking about. Nobody's been talking about. Sometimes you might meet someone in life and you did not plan to marry them. And if you're listening right now, maybe your significant other, your spouse, you didn't know that you were going to marry that person, but you did. You fell in love with them. Yeah. And right now, this candidate, Ejiro Evro, defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, is that candidate who I absolutely love. 
He's from Colchester, England. Forty-three years old has been coaching. Um, he's, he was he was with the Rams. He won a Super Bowl with the Rams with them with the defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Then he was this past season Denver co- uh, defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. If you ever get a chance, Ejiro E J I R O, look that dude up on YouTube. Okay, so Thank he is one of he is someone they're talking to. They talk to him. Okay. And he's my dark horse. Ah, he okay. is the one. Because everyone's that talking I, about Dan Quinn. I know. Yeah, because you know, you know what I mean. Because you, you, sometimes you go to the Thanksgiving and Ursula. You know what? Who What's that? that? Who is that boy that you brought over that one time? <laughs> I really like him. You should get back together with him. Uh, uh-huh. Things were great when he's you were the together. Safe choice. He's the safe choice. Okay. Come from good family. You know what I mean. You know the mama. You know the daddy. Yeah. And that but this is one of those. Nobody knows him. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know, it's like, well, I don't know who this guy is. I need to meet him. Yeah. All that type of stuff. Yeah. I like this guy for okay. sure. Okay. Ejiro. Ejiro. Okay. Yes. Okay. 43 years old. Strikingly handsome, chef. Seems like a stellar guy. Strikingly handsome. Why do you call him a dark horse, Canada? I don't get that. You know, like, you know, like horse long races, shot? long shots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Got yeah. it. I can't wait to meet this guy. Yeah. It's a nice guy. Well spoken. <laughs> You're funny. I am. Oh, by the way, happy, He's articulate. <laughs> happy Fresh Fridays, everybody. It's a good time. So, at 9.47, go get a little, little cup of coffee, because 9.47, we are going to talk about something real, about how half, a record half of Americans find this unaffordable. But up next... Rights are being violated is what was said when it comes to some folks here in Washington. We'll tell you what that has to do with next. It's Gino's show. and Ursula show. Happy Fresh Friday to all of you. Text us in our uh, Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888-973-5476 Cairo. Coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to tell you about how housing is unaffordable for a record number of U.S. renters. And if you are in that category, we wanted to hear from you. So please text us 888-973-5476. Right now, we're going to talk about gift cards. I have a handful of them in my wallet right now. And there are two influential business groups that are calling for a gift card cash out plan to expire. Uh, So these are the CEOs of the Washington Hospitality Association and the Seattle Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce. They wrote an op-ed in the Seattle Times, and they are questioning whether cash outs for cards up to $50 is consumer friendly. So, you know, this is something that's been um, brought up in the state legislature. So Anthony Anton and Rachel Smith are referencing this bill in Olympia that would, among other things, allow you to cash out the balance of unused cards up to $50. I think you and I said we like that idea, even though it would hurt small businesses, you thought. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It would also transfer unused gift card balances from companies to the state's unclaimed property account. So the lawmakers who are supporting this bill say this is going to help consumers and it will also help fund necessary services in the state. But in this op-ed, the CEOs are saying, well, would you want this state Claiming your unspent gift card money if you don't spend it fast enough? 
So I guess that would be the first question mm-hmm. for all of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, under the bill, though, consumers could still cash out the balance of gift cards at these businesses that, that they're from or use the gift card at the business. But then uh, Washington State would then reimburse the business from the unclaimed property fund. Um the other thing is that businesses with revenue under $25 million would not have to transfer the balances to the state. This legislation to me sounds like it's kind of targeting very specific businesses like Starbucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> it almost should be the anti-Starbucks gift card bill. So, um, so Ursula, we, we talked about this when you were gone. We, we, we talked about this before. And then Chef adds in, you know, tells me this morning as we're bringing it up again, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to talk about this. No doubt. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I kind of like, well, wait a minute. Businesses, $25 million or less, yeah. right? You just called it right there. Who are they talking to? Because there's not a lot of ma and pop. Unless yeah, so it's, it's really going for the chain companies. That, yeah, that, so that the chain business, yeah, exactly, that, that have the cards. And one of the biggest ones is Starbucks. Is Starbucks. Yeah, I mean, they, they count on people. They count on you mm. not using your gift card money right? because it brings in tons of revenue. Because you just have it sitting there. There's somebody right now, you probably have a balance maybe of $24.77 I mean, it is a good feeling when you hand over your card and they say, okay, you still have blah, blah, blah. Do you have that feeling? Like sometimes like, oh, that's cool. Yes. Like my my bank account is not empty. Yes. You do have that feeling. You you know, you pull out your phone and go beep. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm special that way. But but I'm planning to use that. Yes. Now, what is happening is, is where is all this going? Here pretty soon what's happening is with gift cards. I think that people are buying less and less gift cards Mm -hmm. from specific businesses and more going towards if I give you, which one of my favorites, if I give you a $50 Amazon gift card, (laughs) you're going to plug that thing in to your phone or to your, or your gift card. And it's going to be right there. So at some point you're going to spend this. So when I do gift cards and I give them, I give you Amazon because I know you're going to spend it. Whether you buy some toothpaste, some deodorant, or a nice dress. Either way, you're going to be using that gift card. Now, do you ever buy those cards where you have to pay, which I find just insane, but you pot, you have to pay $5 and it's like the equivalent of a visa? Yeah. But it gives... I used to. I know, but it, it it's like you, you're you starting at a neck. It, it, it takes such a chunk out of your... I mean, it's expensive to buy one of those cards for 50 bucks. Russell, just one, I'll just get, what is wrong with just giving cash? Is it is it uncouth to give cash? Well, I th- I think some people look at it as lazy that you didn't put how, any thought into it. I, how I, how much lazy? How much lazier is it than getting a gift card? I mean, you 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 don't want to know what my favorite is. And if y'all remember this this feeling, and everybody, I think this is nostalgic right here. You remember when you were younger and you would get that card for your birthday and or Christmas and you knew whoever was handing you that card, you kind of knew how much was in it. Oh, they. So yeah. you you knew if it was, you know, and something about grandmas and them, they just didn't understand inflation. So they were still giving you five dollars when you was 30 something <laughs> years old. You know what I mean? Better five bucks than nothing. Right. But then you had that one, that one uncle that, you know, ooh. We didn't get that card. So what I'm, so I'm trying to say is give me my, give me a gift. Give me an envelope with some cash in it. Look at That's beautiful. 
<laughs> okay, chef. Do you th- okay, I know that chef chef is down on the whole gift card as a gift kind of thing. I'm yeah. totally okay with it. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine if it's like your corporate bosses give you a gift card, but you know if you've known someone for oh I don't know more than two weeks like a Starbucks <laughs> gift card, <laughs> it's just it's generic. It's like giving socks to a kid. They're like. Thanks for the socks, I guess. Like, here's a commodity that I put on my feet, but I'm not excited about. I mean, no one's, like, excited because they got a Starbucks coffee. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out, bruh. What? Do you know how many teachers, like, still have, like, $200 worth of Starbucks cards because, you know, the parents in the class. They're not a coffee drinker. Yeah, I want you to weigh in right now. We need to count on our very smart listeners. Is Do you... Look at gift cards as, hey, this person doesn't care about me when you receive them. Uh, text us, 888-973-5476, cairo Brady, Gen Z, if somebody gave you a $100 Amazon gift card, do you say this person doesn't care? Absolutely not. I think they care. You can find anything on Amazon. If you pigeonhole me into something that I don't like, like if you got me a Victoria's Secret gift card as a single man, that's not going really, to really make me happy. Or it just might be hopeful for you. I never know. might discover man, something. It's like, it's what I got for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay with gift cards. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I'm okay, but I get it. I mean, it's not the same as getting something that is very specific no. to you, knowing what you like, and 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 uh, just the thought that goes behind that. I, I, like, I get it. I like what uh, Brady says, though. He's basically saying when you pigeonhole someone into something, like for example, Ursula, I'm going to give you a Chili's gift card. What are you gonna say if I give you a Chili's? You don't long live, Mark. I'm gonna say that Chili's this was this card. was probably regifted <laughs> <laughs> because you know I live in the city of Seattle. There's no Chili's near me, right? <laughs> and, and, and you know, like, gee, there's no way that you just looked at it and said, you know, Ursula and Long Live Mark would love Chili's. <laughs> no matter where the gift card comes from, though, I certainly don't want the state seizing my assets. <laughs> well, and that's what the Hospitality Association of Seattle Chamber of Commerce are saying. They say, don't let anyone make decisions about the gifts you give or receive or tell you that you would be better protected if your gift cards were taken from you to serve the public interest. So, <laughs> in any case, clearly they're making their position known. I, and I think you were correct that can I keep it above? companies are expecting you not to use your gift card. So, yeah, of course they don't want to have to give cash back. I, I want to tell everybody, when we talked about it a couple weeks ago, I, was, I had an opinion. Today, Chef, you know, I I was so dang on confused. I was just like, what? I, what? I don't understand this. What is this about? There must be something secret and, in this bill we haven't been apprised of. And the G and Ursula Show community has spoken, and they love gift cards. See? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm glad we got the laughs out of the way because this next topic isn't so funny. Housing is now unaffordable to a record number of U.S. renters. We discuss that next. It's G Show.
Good morning, everybody. Happy Fresh Fridays to you on the G and Ursula Show. Just to let you know, Michael Medved is going to join us next. And Ursula, we need to talk about 50% of renters that can't afford housing. In fact, more such households and many others also now struggle to pay rent, according to a newly released report from the Joint Center for Housing Studies of Harvard University. It found that in 2022, as rents spiked during the COVID-19 pandemic, a record half of U.S. renters paid more than 30% of their income for rent and utilities. Nearly half of those people were severely cost burdened, paying more than 50% of their income. I, As we tell that news, Ursula, I'm just going to be very simple with this. If you're listening right now on the show, 888-973-5476, Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. If you are paying 50% or more of your income towards housing, we want to hear from you. Text in. Ursula, this is something that is really hard on a lot of Americans. And when I mention holding a boat, this is exactly what I'm talking about. It feels like society. It feels like our government. It feels like the majority of us We only want to address the problem when people are already unhoused. When I believe that a lot of things needs to be focused on people in this country, which are a lot, that are spending 50% of their income on housing. Mm -hmm. Well, a a couple of things that stand out in this report. Since 2019, they're saying that the, the most impacted group income group were those households making 30,000 to 75,000 a year uh that was the biggest jump in unaffordability um and for renters who made under $30,000 a year um 83% of them are cost burdened again which would mean that they're spending more than a third of their income which obviously at that level it's not Surprising, but the amount of money that they have left over for all of their other household expenses plummeted by nearly half to just over $300 a month. Now, just try to imagine making ends meet with just over $300 a month. That's what I'm saying. Um, And and when you do that, little things matter, like the grocery store. Because the first thing... The first two things that you, when you're writing down that budget, I remember this. The first thing, Ursula, that I would go to, food and gas. I try to cut on those things right there. No. Um, a couple of uh, other things that they point out that, um, um, you know, so people are trying to, to find that cheaper rent. So they're, you know going to a neighborhood that might not be uh, as good of a neighborhood as they originally were living, you know, so they're trying to make these things. Then then now they're commuting further. So that means that you, you talked about the gas, how expensive that is. You might have to sacrifice the quality of your school system. Um, we heard from Susan in the 253. She says, I'm a 56-year-old woman who makes $23 an hour. I work 40 hours a week and I cannot afford rent. If I didn't have the situation that I have currently, I would be living in my car. I mean, those stories just break my heart. Um, So even though now also this this report points out that um, U.S. homelessness rates hit uh, a record high last year, 
and and now we're seeing we've been talking about how housing prices have eased in many areas, including around here. I mean, it's still unaffordable, still you know, big increases, but we're not seeing the same kind of increases that we've seen in years past. But uh, and and the double digit rent increases, those are easing as well. But um, what's happening, though, is all the new construction, a lot of this new construction, that's, it's high end housing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not helping a lot of people who are on uh, the lower end of the income spectrum. Ursula, a second ago, you brought up folks probably like, hey, I'm going to maybe go to this neighborhood that probably, you know, is, is a little bit more crime over here so I can kind of get, I pay less, more. right? Yeah. Let me tell you what's happening right now. Those areas, what has happened is, is the rent on those apartments are up. I mean, up. I mean, you have people right now in some of these apartments paying $2,100 a month for a two-bedroom apartment, right? And so we talk about the American dream, and there are people that are like, American, huh? What dream? How is this sustainable or even possible? And people say, well, you just need to work harder. Now, that's just that. I'll touch on another topic that doesn't come up. It's not popular. But watch this. I guarantee you there are people out here that know this feeling. Yes. The parent... The parent out there that is trying to do all those things, and oh, by the way, they also have to pay child support. And when you have to pay child support, along with when you get your child and you're still having to pay for things, it is a double whammy. Mm. And so the hole in a boat that I talk about and that I scream so much about We do less for the people that are trying than we do for the people that aren't. And I hear you loud and clear. And and one of the things, uh, again, that this Harvard report points out is that since 2001, so over 20 years, the median rents have gone up by 21 percent, while the median annual income for renters has risen by only 2 percent. So, Since when? 2001. That is jaw-dropping. Yeah. So if you want to know where the, why that boat keeps sinking. Uh, thank you, for, uh, all of you. We're going to go through all your text messages and we'll share more of them. Just so we know like who's in our community, too. Um, uh, Kathy wanted me to make sure I bring up that... Property taxes, utilities, insurance have all gone up, too. Landlords are still recovering from two-plus years of no evictions, which meant no paying rent. And uh, they need emergency funds for failing roofs, elevators, septic systems. So there's that, too. And again, this is, th- th- that's only going to increase rent as landlords try to make up for that. This, this right here, this topic, of every topic that we talk about, this topic is my passion. And it's my passion because... I understand wholeheartedly what it's like to wake up every single day, work your tail off, and no matter how hard you work, you still can't make ends meet. It is the worst feeling in the world. And there are so many people either at the beginning of their careers or toward the end of their lives who are feeling that right now. It's heartbreaking. Michael Medved joins us next. Junior. 